Ladies and gentlemen, prepare for liftoff. Hey everybody, welcome back to Liftoff by Bottle Rocket. I'm Peter Clayman. And I'm Tony Dosat. Our guest on this episode is an accomplished chief product officer with deep experience in the fintech industry. He applies a strong business lens to technology innovation, balancing priorities during the entire software development lifecycle. He leads global product development for new software service offerings at Diebold. And before that, he was the global head of product and innovation at MoneyGram. At MoneyGram, he oversaw a rapid growth in digital transactions with over 150% annualized growth. Not only is he a great leader, he's a unique individual and an avid mountain biker. Now with that, it is my honor and Tony's, of course, to introduce you to Yuri Bebek. Yuri, so glad you're here with us today. Hey, good afternoon. Nice being with you guys. So Yuri, I think before we even hop in, I want to tell all of our listeners the story of how we met. So imagine everybody back to the world where we all did business in boxes and we were at a QBR meeting at the Bottle Rocket office and we were in this conference room and we all had suits on and everything was great. And Yuri walks in with a profound limp. And I had seen Yuri walking before, so I knew this wasn't a thing. And I was like a little bit taken aback as to what was going on. So we go through this whole hour long presentation, all smiles and handshakes, right? We get done the business part. And eventually I just look at Yuri and I say, what the hell happened, man? He's like, I got to tell you about this trip where I was mountain biking in Patagonia and it was the final day and we were living out of a backpack and I was just trucking it down this hill. And, you know, I just sort of twisted it. I actually have the video from my GoPro. Do you want to watch that video of me breaking my ribs? I was like, oh, was this like a couple of months ago? He was like, no, this was like last week. I was like, oh, so you flew back to the United States from Patagonia with a bunch of broken ribs and a herniated disc. He was like, yeah, I actually didn't go to a doctor there. I didn't get to a doctor till the way till we got home, but it's, it's fine. I'm ready. I got a trip coming up to Moab in three weeks and I'm amped. That was how I met you, right? Yes, that's actually quite true, except the last part, because what was going to happen three weeks after I was going, I actually promised like, my daughter to scuba diving cave in Mexico. And I was looking on the internet to see if anybody had actually how quickly can you scuba dive after breaking because I had broken four ribs. And everybody was like, uh, we don't recommend you do it. But I, I did it five weeks after <laughs> it went fine. So the pressure was not too bad. When you diving in cave, when you mountain biking down the volcano in Patagonia, when you, you see things the way they are. You try to enjoy the experience as much as it brings to you. And, and I think if you look at that compared to our life every day at work, uh, when we're in offices, in meetings and everything, I think it, it really helps just clear your mind, see the beauty of nature and respect, of course, what nature offers to us. And that, of course, try to influence, in my mind, at least what you do at work from a green perspective, from uh, global warming and everything. I mean, really realizing what nature gives us and enjoying it. But yeah, no, definitely not looking to to, to hurt myself because then uh, you spend a lot of time doing nothing. That's a good point. So Yuri, I think it's so interesting. And actually, this is something we really want to talk to you about, which is we talk to a lot of people here who have kind of found their path in the world. And I think you have found your own unique path, which is very high performing leader, obvious track record, but something that really always stood out to me 
was just how casual and authentic and relaxed you were capable of being under tremendous amounts of pressure. I'd love to talk about that. Like, how did you get there on your journey? Because I'm sure it wasn't always that way. Um, probably not. Um, I, I think uh, I would say if, if I look at my background, uh, I come from, from both parents that come from very poor, small European country. One was Croatia from my father, Portugal from my mother. And then since I was born in school, I was always the foreigner. I was always the, the kid that has a weird name. I was always, so it, it really tried to, from growing up, give you that you different by nature. And the easiest thing I could do is just to accept it. And, and to me, accept it who you are. You mentioned, Peter, uh, authenticity is the very first thing. Once you, you accept who you are and then you approach everything you do with that in mind, uh, I, I feel that it helps a lot and it gives um, confidence. It gives uh, trust to the people around you because it's not that you are here trying to pretend. Uh, I, I remember my very first job. It was a, a very interesting conversation. I come, uh, it's in Spain. I come in and the, it's, a, it's a new company. They are growing phenomenally. Literally, I'm off college. I come in and my boss says, hey, it's a small division of that in, in Spain. And he says, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm up actually for three weeks on vacation. So you, you got the keys. And I'm for day one. And, and I look at him like shocked. And he said, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing. He says, if you don't know, just say you don't know. And then take the questions, go back to, you know, whoever you need into the company and you will uh, get the answers and come back. He says, the worst thing you can do is lie. And I think this is something that stuck to me. Knowing who you are, knowing where you come from and not being afraid of just saying, I don't know. And, you know, now if you stop there and do nothing else, you're not going to go very far in life. Contradictory to what most people think, it builds confidence. It means that everybody you relate to, everybody in your team or in your management could see through and says, okay, the guy is real. You know, he's not trying to pretend. He's not trying to be or say or act a way that he's not comfortable with. And I think this was to me the, the, the way I approach it. And then, of course, as you get older and more uh, working experience, it becomes a second nature to me. I mean, this is it. When, when I met you guys at Bar Rocket the very first time, I was just trying to be an open book to say, well, we have, we have a problem here. We all, I mean, the problem is that we are embarking in the transformation and this is what we are looking for. And, and not trying to say, you know, we're the best company in the world and, and we just need to build a website. That, that's really the, and I think that creates that conversation, that creates that relationship. Uh, and it put people around you at ease. Because uh, a lot of time, if you talk to a celebrity or a CEO and everything, and people get a little, you know, shell-shocked. I mean, that, that I believe in my mind that helps a lot. I think that's incredible what you said about empowering the I don't know. I used to actually give a talk about that very thing. And to me, it's one of my favorite phrases. And it identifies that I'm self-aware and that I can either do nothing about not knowing or now go know the thing. And so I think it's that it's that choice. And you can either sit back or you can progress forward. So that's huge, and, man. 
And Tony, if you apply that to innovation, because this is the way my mind works yeah. every time I look at any initiative that I have, is that if the goal is to do it the way somebody has done it before, well, then it's not innovation. Yeah. And if you knew the answer when you get the questions, well, then the I don't know doesn't. The I don't know actually to me and to your point is very powerful because I don't know means well, let me think about it. Or let's just work together on it. And let's try to find if it, most of the time, finding a solution is the easy part. Understanding the problem is the complicated part. And people rush to the solution because of what they know. And to me, this is the way I approach every new business or every new opportunity or every time I change job is to say, well, let me look at, I don't know. I know I, I, when I started at MoneyGram, for example, I'd never done money transfer before. And I came in to say, well, what is really money transfer? And, you know, we got to learn that people hate sending money. Uh, well, it's, if you think about it, it's quite straightforward. I mean, you'd rather keep $200 in your pocket than take your wife or your better half to a nice dinner rather than sending it to a grandma in, on the other side of the world. But then once they do it, the people feel relieved because they've done a good deed and something like that. So how do you translate this into an interface, a user experience? Well, initially it's like, I don't know, <laughs> you know? And, but then you start thinking and you start thinking that people want to think, understand very quickly uh, having a rewards when the, 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 the good action is done, having confirmation, and then you apply what you've learned. And then we use companies such as Rocket to help us through the process to build that user experience to reflect what initially was, well, I, I'm not sure. Mm, I like that because it's so easy. I mean, it's so easy to miss the problem altogether. And years from now, you'll pay the price for that. That's so true. Like I said, finding, defining the problem correctly is half solving it. And this is true for, for everything. But for that, you need, again, you, you need to be straightforward. You need to be honest. You need to be, to, to, to really, in you, your team, your management, I mean, your CEO, when you go and he goes like, well, guys, let's, let's be true to ourselves. This is who we are. And this is where we want to do. And this is where we want to go. How, how do we achieve that the, 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 the best way possible? So Yuri, I'm curious, it's not so intuitive for everybody to be so authentic. For many people, it's, it's very much against the grain of what they learned in business school or in university or whatever it may be. How would you kind of, what are some steps that you would recommend people kind of take? You know, saying you don't know is a great one, but beyond that, what other ones would you say? Well, I would say there's a few things to me. Uh, first is to definitely be open-minded. That's one way of being authentic is just not coming with pre-established opinion. So be open-minded, uh, live in the moment, listen. You know, those are the, the thing. Even when we were talking initially of, of doing some, some, some risk-taking activity, well, whether it is on a mountain bike down a mountain in, in, in Chile, or is it in a boardroom in front of your CEO, it, it is part of the same approach. Be in the moment, listen, try to uh, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. I mean, those sounds like, you know, very wide thing. But Peter, when you and I were talking a couple of days ago, it made me think. And then I happened to, to find a, a quote that, I, that from Oscar Wilde that I thought was 
so true in this is be yourself, everyone else is taken. So <laughs> the, the idea here uh, is really, uh, you know your strength, you know, and it will see through. I mean, if leadership for me, and this is what I've seen, I've, I've worked with guys through my career that have been with me in four or five different companies over 20 years. And I'm like, are you guys just tired to, to work with me? But the, the, the real deal is that for them is the trust and the seeing through and knowing that what you see is what you get. And then what we do is, the, is not as important as how you do it, how you empower your team and how you let them know. And this, that authenticity that you talk is to not only say it, but lead by example, because, you know, a lot of people in every company that says, you oh, we empower employees. We let them make decisions, but if they make mistakes, it's, uh, it's okay. Well, that's not generally, it's really true. Uh, the first thing that a manager that is a micromanager will tell you is that I'm not a micromanager. Uh, when somebody tells you that, well, you know that they are a micromanager. If not, why would they even mention it? Uh, so to me, uh, authentic is, is if you say something, do it. And if you do it a few times, people will actually trust you and says, all right. I mean, if Yuri says this is the way it is, it will be the way it is. Now, to answer uh, Peter's some of your the, the one second part of your question, yes, it is, it is sometimes disruptive. Yes, it is sometimes challenging. Yes, it is sometimes even risky, if you say, because a lot of people wants to hear what they want to hear and not necessarily what the reality is, and that can create. But it's like everything. I think as you grow into an organization, I assume the top management will expect people to tell them, you know, that's the reality, and this is how I propose we address it. Since 2008, Bottle Rocket has been helping companies acquire more, engage deeper, and grow faster than their competitors. Industry leaders like Southwest Airlines, Chick-fil-A, MoneyGram, and Frito-Lay trust Bottle Rocket to provide business strategy, product management, experience design, product growth, and technology services that drive business results and solve unmet customer needs. To learn more about Bottle Rocket and subscribe to the newsletter, visit BottleRocketStudios.com. In mountain biking and in many sports, there's a concept called flow state, which is you get to a certain increment and your heart rate is elevated and you lose relative time and you stop thinking. You're acting and you're thinking intuitively, you're looking forward, you're knowing where you're going next, but you're not, there's no other thought in your brain. You're, you're totally free. And some people who practice meditation will also describe a flow state. And this is a very popular topic right now. A lot of people are, are really trying to focus on being present. And flow state is all about being present. How do you find flow, Yuri? And then how does that flow also apply to what you do every day? How do you apply that same concept to your work life as you do your recreational life. There's, and I love that flow analogy. There's another activity that I do is I'm a, a high-speed driver 
instructor. So which means that uh, really- Of course you are. Taking, I didn't know that, but of course you are. It doesn't yeah, surprise take, me at all. It's on brand. Taking, taking people on the track and teach them the limits of their car. And it is, to me, why I'm mentioning this, because it's, you, you have so many parallels on what it is also, you can take a turn at a speed that the car that you're driving has some characteristics that allows you, whether it's a, it's a propulsion or if it's front wheel drive, four wheel drive, whatever it is. And you cannot go faster than what the car allows you to do, but you can try to push to find the limit. And when you find the limit and you go, you find that flow and, and in driving, the flow is even more important than anything else. And yes, when you drive, you don't think about anything at speed. Well, in business, you can do the same thing when this is what I was saying initially, uh, when you know yourself, I mean, knowing your capability, knowing your limit, knowing what you can bring to an organization, what you can bring to a team. And then you try to create that competitiveness. You try to create that energy in the team. And that could be by setting some, uh, what I always do when I start a project or when I start in the company is to set what I call the North Star. Is that what it is that we want to, to achieve? Uh, uh, when I was a kid, my first teacher told me, you know, you need to want to be an astronaut to be an engineer. I mean, it's kind of a, you need to really have that directions that you want to achieve and finding the right people because the people around you is really what makes you get into that flow. I don't believe anybody, unless you're an artist, uh, in my mind, maybe that's slightly different and I'm definitely not an artist. So if I'm a painter or singer, those are individual activities maybe. But everything we do in business is within a team and finding the right team that clicks and makes them click towards the goal that you want to achieve is when you get into, into that flow. And uh, and of course, I mean, we, we all know like different methodology, but the agile methodology of development helps a lot for the flow because you have a rhythm every 15 days, uh, you have a delivery, you want to get to that part where the product is a product is never finished, the product is always a work in progress, but you want to see constant improvement. So the same as driving, the same as biking or any activity, slow improvement that once you get there allows you to build on top and go to the next level so that you can take that next jump or you can increase you know by a couple miles per hour that turn that uh, that you've been working on so uh, that's the way i i look at it i want to help add some color in some in some places that that i'm thinking of so when you were first talking about your childhood right and how you had to just accept that you were different you had to embrace that you were, quote unquote, the foreign kid, that your name was different, that your accent sounded different than everybody else's. See, this hasn't changed. It's still different. <laughs> it's still there. It's still different. <laughs> but like the Oscar Wilde quote that you said, I mean, that's incredible. Now, with that, however, I would say that authenticity, self-awareness, and vulnerability are three actually kind of daunting, if not scary, words for people. And I'm just curious how you, even at such a young age, because my, my answer would be, well, it just takes time to reach self-awareness or it takes time to be okay with being vulnerable inside of a team or a relationship for that matter. So what would you say to someone who is experiencing fear 
in one of those areas? It's a, it, it's a good question, and I'm not sure I have a perfect answer to this because to me, it's been so long, I feel like it's second nature. Uh, it's, you know, I'm the glass half full kind of guy. Mm. I would say there are a few, a few things that anybody that have that fear, vulnerability is, is a key one, and that part of authenticity because just knowing who you are makes you vulnerable and letting people know. I would say... First is rely on facts. I mean, that sounds also like a, an easy, but rely on facts allows you to try to, that's your foundation. Be true to those beliefs that, that you have. Uh, don't try to copy somebody. Because I mean, a lot of time, again, if you try to copy somebody, if you're not real, if you're not genuine, then it will at some point Again, if we keep the analogy, since we have started this on, on this podcast, let's keep that for the rest of the podcast of, of sports. When you do mountain bike, when you do jump, you will fall. Uh, and if you stop because you fall because you're scared, well, then you may stop biking. Or you can try to understand what you did wrong and then try to correct it. Maybe do a smaller jump and then successfully do and repeat and then increase the risk, increase the difficulty of, of the jump mm. uh, because we all fall. So same thing for somebody that, I mean, if you apply that to the business, the very first time that you completely disagree with your boss, maybe it's not the best way to tell him straight to face. No, you're absolutely wrong. You don't get it. Uh, you don't go from, you know, a little... Uh, reserved into your approach to completely outspoken. Right. Uh, but try that within your team or try that at home or try to something that is not maybe that meaningful. Okay. okay. Here's what we'd like to do. We'd like to do a lightning round, Yuri. Okay. One word answers to each of these okay. questions. Tony okay. and I are going to bounce back and forth pretty quickly, as quickly as okay. we can, on what some of these questions would be. Okay. Okay. So, first and foremost, in order to be your authentic self, the first thing you had to do was? So, one word you say, or is it like a... One word, yeah. Live in the moment. I know it's three words. Sorry. I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Tony? Define trust. That's a hard one-word answer. Well? <laughs> Trueness. Okay, like that. When you think of excitement, what do you think of? If it can't kill you, it's not fun. <laughs> I love that. I'll take that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now for the final question that we ask every guest, which is, Peter, are you taking this or am I? I can take it if you want me to. I, you know, I will try my best to take it. Somehow I always bungle it. All right. Very Peter. This is not a one-word answer, okay? So feel free to go as broad as you want. What non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means to most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? Good job, Peter. A soccer ball. Oh, oh go on. That's the non-digital most. Because first, I wanted to be a professional soccer player when I was a kid. Uh, so, um, I, I thought really that I had the talent, but, uh, the injury never, uh, 
let me succeed beyond, you know, teenage years. Um, I think athletes are unbelievable in the sense not only they need to be talented, they need to work hard, but they need to be healthy. Uh, so I, I was definitely not healthy enough. But why the soccer ball? Because to me, sports is a fantastic analogy for teamwork, at least team sports. Soccer, I mean, you can have Messi, the best player in the world. He cannot win a game by itself. He plays for Argentina. They never won anything significant at the major level. He plays with Barcelona when he is surrounded by a beautiful team. They are extremely successful. I actually took advantage. I mean, I love soccer so much. At some point in the U.S., a few years back, I actually went into coaching. And I took really a team of misfits, uh, nine-year-old girls that really wanted to play, didn't have much skills, didn't have a strategy, didn't have anything. And make a long story short, within four years, by the time they were 14 years old, they were playing U16. They went undefeated and won uh, the Texas uh, championship. And what to me was in uh, out of the team, I mean, five got eventually a scholarship in college in soccer. And they're always thankful to me because they said that what I taught them more than the game of soccer was actually trusting a strategy, trusting your teammates, and trusting who you are and what you do on the pitch to make the team successful. And in turn, instead of trying to, to – so in my office, I still have a soccer ball when they won that championship where the girls have all signed it uh, to remember that. And I think it is uh, something that is very dear to me. And every time if I doubt or if I want you to, to try something, I mean, I always look at that moment and it says, well, you know, that soccer ball reminds me of what is achievable to start from scratch, to apply a methodology, to create trust, to define roles and making sure everybody works together to achieve what we want to do. And, and that's what I, I cherish a lot. Love that answer. That's so great. Well, Yuri, I know we could go all day. I know I could go all day and we have so much more to talk about, but hopefully next season for now, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Enjoyed it.